Well, good morning, church. Come on, good morning, church. Man, we are glad that you are here today. And if you just, man, as we sing those songs, if there's a part of you that goes, I am so thankful to know that when I feel like the world is against me, that the Lord is around me. Could you just say amen this morning? Man, that's good news, isn't it? It's so good news. In fact, sometimes I talk about, oftentimes, well, not often, but occasionally I'll talk about when I was in high school. You know, so as you get older, don't you enjoy remembering your used-to-could years? Don't you enjoy that? And so football for me was my used-to-could years. I couldn't get in the three-point stance today if I needed to, but I used-to-could, right? And so I remember when I was in high school, football was my thing. I loved football. Uh, but one thing I've never really talked about much is that when I came on the scene, I, I started my at varsity football my sophomore year in high school. And so some of you that played sports go, well, if you started a sophomore, that must mean you were really good. And well, the answer is, no, we were just that terrible. In fact, coming into my sophomore year, my school had a decade, a decade where their record was either 0 and 10 or 1 and 9. I mean, in fact, my junior year, we were 3 and 7, and they're like, the program is turning around. I mean, because we were just that bad. I mean, it was 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 0 and 10, 1 and 9, 0 and 10. I mean, that was, it was terrible. We were a terrible football team until my senior year when we were the only undefeated team, which was great. But we were undefeated opposite for almost a decade, and it was absolutely terrible. Now, the thing about it that's interesting is when I played during that time, I played with a group of guys that were, when we graduated, we were the undefeated team. So we were a team that was not used to losing. So when we all start playing as a sophomore, it was like, okay, we're not okay with one and nine. We're not okay with 0 and 10. This is terrible. But here's what I discovered, even as a 16-year-old, that for some people, and like in that sport, losing was a way of life. It's all they'd ever known. The seniors, all they'd known from the time they were seventh graders playing junior high and now varsity football is, all they've known is that in six years, we've won an accumulation of about four games. In 60 games, we've won maybe four. And so for them, losing was just a way of life. In fact, when we would get on Friday nights and like get ready to play football, I don't think you were a football player, but there was something awesome about walking out to a freshly cut football field on a, day li- a night like today's temperature-wise when you walk out there. I mean, there was something exciting about that, right? If you played football, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, it was, it was awesome, yeah. But listen, they didn't have any of that. I mean, they were barely getting their equipment put on. They were like, and practices were terrible. I mean, like they wouldn't work hard at anything. They were just lollygagging around. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, they just were like defeated all the time because a way of losing was a way of life for them. And as I thought about that, because like where I came from, football is like Friday night football is where community happened in our, in our small town, town of 20,000 people. I mean, everybody showed up. Even when we were terrible, people showed up to the game. But losing was a way of life to them. And I began to think about that. How does that relate to us spiritually is that I think there may be some of us in the room that kind of feel that way sometimes. That sometimes we feel like maybe there's not really much joy in life. Because listen, we turn on the news, we turn on the radio, or we just read the newspaper if you still know what a newspaper is. We still read that. I mean, there's not a lot of great things out there, right? And some of us maybe just look at life and go, there's just not a lot of joy. I have a lot of junk that happens and there's just not a lot of joy. Some of us may look at life and go, you know what, there's not only not any joy out there, Doug, but I just feel like I'm defeated all the time. I feel like by the time I hurdle one thing, something else is coming at me. I just feel down and defeated. Some people, maybe you feel overwhelmed, like life has come at you, and you're like, whoa, what am I going to do with all this stuff? 
you're overwhelmed. Maybe some of you are anxious. I have some anxiety issues. And so maybe you're anxious. Maybe some of you struggle with depression. Maybe some of you have just been hurt by people. And I mean, so when you think about life, it's like, man, Doug, I, I want to be excited. I want to find joy. But when I look at life, I just don't feel much of that. I feel defeated. I'm, I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I'm anxious or I'm hurting or I'm depressed. Some of you may be even that place where you're like, I mean, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my identity, who I am. I'm struggling with my value. I'm struggling with my purpose. I'm just struggling today, Doug. But yet scripture says we are more than conquerors through him. Amen? But oftentimes, as I can just tell by your amens, we don't feel that way. Are you with me on that, church? We know we're more than conquerors, but sometimes we just don't feel that way. We don't feel like that. And I'm just telling you, where this mini-series that we're going to do has come from is that I've spent a lot of time in the last two and a half, three months with a lot of people in this church, having conversations, loving on people, hearing their stories. And can I just tell you, there's a lot of people that I know, not people outside this church, but people that are in this room, maybe right now, people are out there that are feeling the way that I'm talking about. They know that we are more than conquerors in Christ, but that is a statement that sometimes we have trouble letting it assimilate into our lives. There are people that feel like, man, I'm struggling finding joy. Man, I'm struggling, you know, with my anxiety, or I'm struggling being overwhelmed. I'm struggling feeling defeated all the time. I'm struggling with my identity. I'm struggling with purpose. I mean, we're just struggling this morning. And I know people in this very room that are struggling. And can I just tell you about the struggle? Because here's the reality of the struggle. That if you feel that way, and I don't want you to raise your hand or say amen because I know there's a lot of you that feel that way. While you know that we are more than conquerors, there are many days you don't feel that way. You feel defeated. You feel beat down. You feel that moment of just the weight is on you. And we felt that way. But let me just say this. That if you feel that way this morning, there's a real battle there. It's a battle. And the problem with the battle is this, if we continue to allow ourselves to feel that way and we don't address the battle that's going on, if we keep feeling that way, that battle will become destructive. It will destroy relationships. It can be destructive emotionally. It can be destructive spiritually. It can be destructive, uh, you know, God forbid, even physically. So if we're feeling this way this morning, hear me on this. I'm not going to tear you down. I want you to know this series is for you. This series is what we need as a body of Christ. Those of us that can say, Doug, I know that I'm more than conquerors, but there's times I just don't feel that way. There are times I feel down and out and I'm struggling. If that's you this morning, this series is for you. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to spend three weeks, over the next three weeks, and our goal is very simple. Our goal is so simple as that we want to break free from the lies and the destructive thinking that have invaded our lives and invaded our mind. And that journey begins today in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So you have your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And once again, I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word. Here's what the word of God says, beginning in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not to wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience 
when your obedience is complete. Let's pray. God, we love you. We need you today, Lord. I know that as soon as I begin this introduction today, and as soon as we begin talking about we know that we're more than conquerors, that there are some of us that while we know that in our spirit, we don't feel that way. We struggle. We hurt. We're down. God, may today be the a beginning of a journey where we rediscover that joy in our life. May today begin the journey where we begin to put tools into our life to help us break free from the lies and the destructive thinking that we've allowed into our hearts and our minds. So God, would you be with us today? May Would you unpack your word to our hearts today? For it's in your precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we look at this passage, you can go back and read the first three verses if you want to. But basically, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. And he's just talked to them about being a cheerful giver, and then he kind of shifts the narrative a little bit, and he begins to talk about if he comes to them, what he wants to happen. He says, you know, I, and basically he says this in verse 2, I want to make sure that when I come to you, that I can come to you and I don't have to speak bold against you. In other words, I don't have to rebuke you, because there's some people that I'm going to have to come, me being this humble guy, there's some people I'm going to have to come, and I'm going to have to rebuke them because they think that I'm living my life according to the flesh, and I'm not. And then Paul breaks into verse 3, he breaks into the next three verses, he shares some things with us that I think is, 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 is crucial to us as it relates to minefield. And here's the first thing I want you to notice in this, is that Paul notices and acknowledges this first, that our battle is spiritual, not physical. Now I know some of you are like, Doug, Pastor, I already know that. I know that because you've taught before in Ephesians chapter 6 where we talked about the armor of God. You probably heard that. I know the armor of God. I know that he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities. I know my battle is not physical, it is spiritual. Well, listen, it's always good to be reminded, isn't it? Because there's too many times in our life we try to battle each other, we try to battle circumstances, and I want you to know this morning that the battles that you and I face as believers are spiritual battles. Look what Paul says in verse 3 again. He says this, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Now there's two phrases Paul uses here that's fascinating. First of all, he says, though we walk in the flesh. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to underline in the flesh. It's different. We walk in the flesh. Well, what does Paul mean? Paul's, the word walk here means how we conduct our lives, how we live our lives. So that's what he's saying. He says, listen, the way we live, the way we conduct our lives is we walk. And he says, we walk in the flesh. Now, the flesh here is, is, is not as spiritually deep as what you think it means here. The flesh here, he's referring to that we are physical beings. Anybody here not a physical being? Okay, so we're all physical beings, right? You have a physical body. So when he talks about flesh here, that word in the Greek means that we are a physical being. He says, so we are, listen, we are walking in the flesh, meaning that the way we conduct life is as physical human beings. So every struggle that comes as a human being, we have to wrestle with those. Every temptation that comes as a human being, we have to be able to navigate those. That we are flesh and blood. Touch your neighbor and make sure they're flesh and blood today. If they're not, they need to leave. All right? So, yeah, we'll have problems. They're demon. We're going to cast them out. No, I'm just kidding. So, anyway, the flesh and blood. Every single one of us are flesh and blood. And we live our lives as flesh and blood with all the same struggles, with all the same temptations, and we have to navigate those. But then he says something fascinating. While we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according 
to the flesh. Underline that in your Bible, according to the flesh, because that is very different. He says, while we are physical beings, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Here's what that means. We are in a battle, and that battle is not physical. Now, you see people duke it out maybe, but that's not the battle we're really in. The battle that we are in is a spiritual battle. We live a physical life, but we have a spiritual battle. Right? Are you with me on that? Say amen. We li- Some of you are like, I don't, know. I don't know. I have no idea what you're saying. But we have a physical body, but we are in a spiritual battle. And what Paul says is, while we have a physical body, we can't fight this battle according to the flesh. In other words, I can't fight this battle driven by my fleshly desires, by my fleshly plans, and by my own strength. Now, here's why I'm pointing this out. Because all of us do this wrong. When you go through a battle, and many of you in the room are, have been Christians long enough to know that you know the battles you go through are spiritual. But don't you find yourself, don't you get frustrated with yourselves that sometimes when you're faced a spiritual battle, you find yourselves immediately gravitating to trying to fight that battle with your own fleshly desires going, well, what do I want out of this? And you try to fight it with your own fleshly plans like, well, God, I'm going to tell you how this is best to work out for me. I mean, if you would just do this way, God, that would be great. It makes perfect sense to me. I think this is the way you ought to handle it, God. Have you ever done that one? Or have you ever entered a spiritual battle trying to do it on your own strength? Now, I know all the men in the room, you've done this. Because here's how you say that. I don't need nobody else. Right? I don't need any help. And that's, that's what we're saying. We're saying, ultimately, no, I don't need anybody else. But quite honestly, I don't think I need God. And so what Paul says, listen, we are all physical beings. We walk in the flesh, but we don't wage war as physical beings. We are in a spiritual battle, and we can't wage war and be driven by our own fleshly desires, our own fleshly plans, and our own fleshly strength. You can't do that. Now, it's so important here that Paul reminds us that our battles are spiritual battles. Listen, we go through these all the time. All the time we are faced with things. We're faced with temptations. We're faced with struggles. Listen, do you know why the enemy puts temptation in front of you? Because he wants to derail you in your walk with Christ. Amen? He wants to derail you. That's not a physical battle. That is a spiritual battle. Because if he can derail you spiritually, if he can get you walking down the wrong path spiritually, you will become ineffective in being a witness for Christ. And the enemy wins. See, everything we go through is a battle. I was telling a, maybe a student earlier this week, do you remember when I was learning to drive uh, our school, we didn't have driver's ed. That's like a new thing. And so we didn't have driver's ed, but they were required in health class. I mean, health class of all places. I mean, health classes was, was a bizarre class anyway. But health class at all places, they, were just, they had one day, they had to show you a video about how to drive. And it was always Goofy. Anybody remember that video, Goofy, from like Mickey Mouse, Goofy, that Goofy? He was the one driving. And as he was driving and trying to make decisions, there was an angel that would pop up on one shoulder and a demon that would pop up on the other shoulder trying to get sway him to do the wrong thing or the right thing. Now, that's the battle that we're in. Now, I'm not saying you have a little angel on your shoulder or you have a little demon on your shoulder. What I'm saying is the reality is that we are in a battle. And maybe for a believer for the first time, you've never really thought about that. We are in a spiritual battle where souls matter. 
And it's so important for Paul to establish that our battle is not against flesh, but it is a spiritual battle. You have an enemy that hates you, and he wants to attack you. And the point that Paul is making is this, is that if we choose to engage a spiritual battle driven by fleshly desires, plans, and in our own strength, we will lose. Did you hear me on that? You will lose. If you enter a spiritual battle and you're driven by what you want and you're driven by your plan and you do it in your strength, you will lose because it's a spiritual battle and you're trying to fight it with fleshly tendencies. And so, church, listen, it's so important for us first to see in this passage that our battle is spiritual, not physical. But there's another thing I want you to notice here, and it's this, our weapons for battle. Look with me in verse 4. I love this. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So here's what Paul says. Our, our, our battle that we're in, a spiritual battle, a spiritual, not physical, our battle, we're in a spiritual war. And you can't fight a spiritual war with physical weapons. Well, Doug, what would be some physical weapons? Let me tell you. How about your own ability to reason? You ever come to a a crossroads and you spend all your time going, well, let me think what I'm going to do here. And you spend all this time reasoning out, rationaling out, and talking through how you are going to handle this. That would be a fleshly weapon. What about your own skill set? Well, I'm good at this. I can handle this. What about uh, your own wisdom? Now, some of you are wise in your own minds, right? You know what I mean by that, right? You think you're wise, but sometimes we don't demonstrate that wisdom. And Paul says, listen, when you're in a spiritual battle, you can't fight a spiritual war with physical and fleshly weapons. You have to fight a spiritual battle with what kind of weapons? Spiritual weapons, right? He says, and you notice what he says here, these weapons have, and you can underline it, divine power. They have divine power. In other words, these weapons are from God. They are, they are gifted by God. They are empowered by God. They have divine power. So in other words, when you're in a spiritual battle and you try to use fleshly weapons like your wisdom, your reasoning, your skill set, those things that you possess are powerless in that battle. But if you're in a spiritual battle and you grab spiritual weapons, those spiritual weapons have divine power. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, okay, Doug, if I need spiritual weapons, what are they, right? What are the spiritual weapons I need? Well, Paul doesn't tell us here. He doesn't go into great detail in this church of Corinth, but he does go into great detail in the book of Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn there later, verse 17 and 18. Paul tells us two weapons that you and I have that we need, two spiritual weapons that we need to fight the spiritual battles we're in. And here's the first one, prayer. Did you notice a while ago we saying, this is how I fight my battles? How do I fight my battles? On my knees, right? Too many of us, when a battle comes, we bow up. Too many of us, when a battle comes, goes, I got this. Too many, when a battle comes, think that I have all the right answers. And when a battle comes, the first place we should go should be on our knees asking God for direction and wisdom and counsel. Listen, one of the spiritual weapons is prayer. And it's probably one of the most underused weapons in the life of every believer. Because guess what? This is just a little bit of wisdom here. You ready? God already knows everything. Wouldn't it be cool to talk to someone who knew everything? Like, I'm sure Casey loves talking to Tyler Peck because he thinks he knows everything. Right, Tyler? 
Tyler's like, amen to that, right? I mean, wouldn't you love to talk to someone who already knows how the story unfolds? Wouldn't you love to talk to someone who's orchestrating and working, going, I can give you the wisdom and direction because I know how the story ends? Wouldn't you love to talk to someone who knew everything? Sure you would. But we do know that someone. It's the Lord, right? And one of the spiritual weapons we have is prayer. Another spiritual weapon we have is, guess what? It's the Word of God. The Word of God. The Word of God is a spiritual weapon. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says the sword of the Spirit, referring to the Word of God. This is the only real offensive weapon mentioned in the book of Ephesians. Did you know that the Word of God is a weapon you can use? Not a weapon to beat somebody down with, but a weapon to know the heart, the mind, and the will of God, to know what's right and what's wrong, how to live, how not to live, and this is a weapon. So when the spiritual battle comes, I can get on my knees and seek his guidance and seek his counsel, and I can get in his Word and know what the right thing to do is. Did you know that? We have spiritual weapons. And he says something fascinating here. He, look, look, go back to verse 4. Look what he says. <clears throat> he says that for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Why? Because they're powerless. But they have divine power to destroy what? Strongholds. Now listen, we are in a spiritual battle. Our battle's not physical. Our battle's spiritual. And if we're going to be in a spiritual battle, we need not fleshly weapons. We need what kind of weapons? Spiritual weapons. We have two spiritual weapons, prayer and the word of God. And then here's what Paul says. Those weapons have a purpose. You know what they are? Those weapons are designed to help you and I destroy strongholds in our life. Now, I know what your next question is, right? What's a stronghold, Doug? Well, let me tell you. A stronghold is a way of thinking that it's in opposition to God's word. That's what a stronghold is. It's a way of thinking that is in opposition to God's word. And you say, well, I don't have any of those. Yes, you do. Have you ever watched television? Have you ever went to a movie? Do you listen to music? All of us allow certain things to come into our life. Right or wrong, we allow things to come in. And some of those things create strongholds in our life. Some of those things that we allow to come in are in opposition to the truth of God's word. Let me give you a couple ways they come in. One is just through worldly philosophies. Worldly philosophies, we hear it all the time, we see it all the time, we hear it said all the time. Those are things that are trying to invade our life to, to get us to buy into and he says, listen, you need prayer and the word of God to destroy the worldly philosophies that you've allowed into your life. And you can think about what is a worldly philosophy. There's a lot of things, like philosophies on priorities. The world has a philosophy on what should be their priority. And can I tell you what the world would say? It's money, 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 money. Right? That's your number one priority. Or worldly philosophies around this idea of tolerance. And I'm not going to jump in it really deep, but let me just say this. When I was a kid, tolerance meant this. Or a teenager, it meant basically we may not see things the same way. You have a conviction based on something else. My conviction is based on God's word. And so we may not see it the same way, but I still love you and care about you. Tolerance today doesn't mean that anymore. Tolerance today means you have to take what I believe that's contrary to what you believe, and you have to accept it as being just as right as what you believe. That is, friends, a worldly philosophy that many of us have allowed into our lives. And he says, listen, if you've allowed that in, you've got to break those strongholds. And the only way you can do it is on your knees. And in the word. Another way that we let these strongholds come in is through our personal, uh, just our personal experiences. If I was able to sit down with John and work all the way across the room into Don, it's amazing how many people that are in this room that would say, you know what, I'm struggling with a sense of identity. 
I'm struggling with a sense of value. I'm struggling with a sense of significance in my life. And you've allowed all these wrong thoughts to invade your heart and invade your mind. And we need to destroy every stronghold, every way of thinking that you've allowed into your life that is in opposition to God's word. It must be destroyed. And that's what Paul's saying. So he says, listen, our weapons, <clears throat> man, they're spiritual. And they're designed to help destroy the strongholds that's in our life. Now listen, strongholds, these ways of thinking that we've allowed in, these ways of thinking that are opposition to God's word that we've allowed in, listen, they divert us. They divert us from living a life of really purpose. And they distract us from truly hearing God's voice in our life. And so we've got to destroy these strongholds. So since we're in a spiritual battle, here's what Paul says. I want you to use spiritual weapons, prayer, and the word of God. And then there's one more thing I want you to notice here. He says this. First of all, that our, our, our battle is spiritual. It is not physical. Our weapons for battle are spiritual. And here's the third thing I want us to notice is that the battlefield, the battlefield, let's read it. The battlefield, go ahead and put it up, Thomas. The battlefield is our mind. Now, I'm not saying, oh, it just mind over matter. That's not what I'm saying. But if, if you and I are going to fight, like when, I, like, when I, like when I was in high school, I never fought anybody. I mean, I may look tough, but I was a wuss. I mean, I never fought anybody. But here's the thing. I remember when I was in school, that here's what always happened. Two people would get into it in the hallway. Listen, if, if Daryl and I were mad at each other or John and I were mad at each other and I'm that mad at you, we're going right now. We're going to roll right now, right? I mean, we're going to fight, duke it out right now. But that's not what happened in high school. You know what happened is they go, okay, this is like first hour. Okay, at 3.30 today. Seven hours from now, we're going to meet down at Wiley Park, and we're going to fight there. And they would go down there, and they would duke it. I'm like, that makes no sense to me. I mean, it's like we're going to roll this thing out right now. We're going to let it go right now and have this fight. But they're like, no, 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 no. They, they wanted to wait and do it a little bit later. That makes no sense to me. And the, the reality for us is this, that the battlefield is our mind. For them, it was Wiley Park. That's where they fought. That's where they duked it out. But do you know where the battlefield is for you and I? It's right here. It's right here. And hear me on this, church. Some of you need to hear this. And we know, listen, we know this, don't we? Have you not seen a rise in awareness, and rightly so, of mental health across our country in the last two years? Sure we have. But I want you to know this morning, I want you to hear your pastor say, our battlefield is right here. It's in our minds. And look what Paul says in verse 5. He says this, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. In this passage, we see where the enemy does battle us, where the enemy attacks us, and he attacks us in our what? Minds. Now, I had this question about four different times in the last two or three months, and I just want to kind of lay it out there. Somebody asked me, hey, Doug, does the enemy, does the devil, does he have control of your minds? And if you're a child of God, the answer is what? No. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not ever-present. He's not those things. So no, he has no control over your mind. So what does he do? He plants seeds. And right here, Paul tells us two seeds that he plants. First of all, he says, we destroy every argument. One of the things the enemy plants in our mind is arguments. You know what arguments typically revolve around? Debate and doubt. 
right? Debate and doubt. So when you argue with someone, what are you doing with them? You're debating them. And in debating them, what is your goal? Create doubt. That what they believe is not the right thing and what you believe is correct. And one of the way the enemy plants seeds is he tries to create arguments and plant those where we take those in willingly, we put them into our lives, and it creates seeds of debate and creates seeds of doubt. In other words, debate about maybe God's methods aren't the right way. Maybe we begin to debate the, the truthfulness of God's word. Maybe God's word is not relevant today, 2,000 years after it was written. He tries to create debate. And ultimately, that debate will try to create what? Doubt. And you've heard it, and I've heard it. People say things like this. Well, if God was truly a loving God, why did he, and then you fill in the blank? Right? Hey, listen. Through the good times and the bad times, God is always good. Amen? But it creates doubt in us. And Paul says, listen, one of the things we have to destroy, one of, the, one of the seeds that he plants is he plants the seeds of arguments, trying to create debate and doubt in the heart. And he also plants, he says, every lofty opinion. Now, this, word, this phrase, lofty opinion, just means any unbiblical system that is elevated as truth. Any unbiblical system that's elevated as truth. And let me give you two. One is evolution. It's an unbiblical system that has been elevated no longer as a theory, but now it is what? Truth, according to the world. Let me give you another one. Universalism. Here's what universalism says. Hey, you worship Jesus, that's great. We're going to worship Allah, that's great. Hey, we're going to love on some Joseph Smith over here, that's great. But at the end of the day, all roads lead where? To the same place. We're all going to get there. You know, we're all going to be happy. You just love people, be kind to people. And eventually, the, the good what way the bad. And we're all just going to be happy, holding hands, singing in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. Listen. That is a lofty opinion. Those are systems of belief that have been elevated to truth. And Paul says we have to destroy them. Because listen, church, that is destructive thinking. If we think the arguments the enemy puts before us, the arguments regarding debating God's methods of how he does things or doubting God are these lofty opinions like evolution or universalism. If we buy into those things, they will become destructive to our faith. And so we now know, listen church, we now know the area the enemy's attacking is your mind. And he does it by planting seeds of arguments and seeds of lofty opinions. But Paul is clear what we have to do. Look with this in verse 5 again. Look what Paul says. He says we must destroy. Everybody say destroy. We must destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. He says, here's what you have to do with these lofty opinions. Here's what you have to do with these arguments. You ready? You have to destroy them. Now, what do you think the word destroy means in the original language? To, to destroy. It means to annihilate. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, that sounds good to me, right? You have to annihilate those things. It doesn't mean you play around with them. It doesn't mean you let them, those things linger. <clears throat> you don't let them kind of go to the back of your mind. You have to destroy and kill those thoughts. And if you have those arguments in your mind, and if you have those worldly philosophies in your mind, or you have these lofty opinions in your mind, you have to call them out, and you must kill them, ax them, get them out first. But then he tells us how to do that. He says, secondly, you must take every thought captive. I love what Paul says here. You ready? Every. There's no exceptions. Every thought that crosses your mind 
must be taken captive. Now, Doug, what does it mean to take captive? Here's what it means. First of all, it means to grab hold of the thought and compare it to truth. So every thought that crosses my mind, like for example, you're driving down the road, and I probably am revealing too much that I might have road rage at different times in my life, but you're driving down the road. And like two weeks ago, Dave and I were going somewhere, and I just said, somebody must have swallowed the idiot pill today, David, because everybody's cutting us off. They're going in front of us. I mean, and of course, it was never not my fault, I'm sure, but I mean, just it's crazy how people drive. And in the moment that I get most angry with them, and the moment I'm ready to create the greatest rage in them, I need to take my thoughts captive and compare it to truth that says... And pray for those who persecute you. I don't want to do that. But that's truth. Right? See, to take every thought captive means I'm going to grab the thought and I'm going to compare it to the truth of God's word. And is what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling in line with truth or if it's not in line, I've got to get rid of it. But taking the captive also means, it's taking the captive, not only means grabbing and comparing to truth, it means taking it and, listen, replacing it with truth. So you're comparing it to truth, but now you're going to replace it with truth. So, for example, maybe you feel like, hey, Doug, today I've come in this morning and I feel total rejection in my life. Well, you need to replace that with the truth of Romans chapter 15, verse 7, that says that you're accepted by God. Maybe you come in this morning, you feel insignificant, you feel unworthy, you feel like you don't matter, and you replace it with Psalms 139 that says, for I fearfully and wonderfully made you, and I knit you together in your mother's womb. You need to, maybe you come in this morning, and you feel unloved and uncared about, and you need to be reminded what Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, when it says that, I, that you are chosen, holy, and deeply loved by me. Maybe you come in this morning, <coughs> excuse me, and you feel shame and guilt, and you remember what, Romans, or what Galatians 5.1 says, it says, in Christ we are free. So if we're going to take every thought captive, it's about grabbing those thoughts, comparing it with truth, and then replacing it with truth. Are you with me on that, church? So what he's teaching us is the battlefield is our minds. And the enemy's planting seeds all the time. And we must take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And as we close this morning, I just want to remind you, and maybe you've never heard this before, but your battle and my battle isn't physical. It's what? Spiritual. And if we're going to fight a spiritual battle, we need spiritual weapons like the Word of God and like prayer. And as we fight this battle, just know where the battlefield is. It's in your mind. Listen, parents, you know where the battlefield for your kids is? It's in their mind. And you know, something that we all need to be aware of, is starting with this guy up here, we allow these things into our life. I remember when I was a kid, one of my dad's favorite movie had Gene Wilder in it. It was called Stir Crazy. I think Richard Pryor was in it. But there was a moment in this movie where he's talking and he says something like, he said, I got to be careful. I want to make sure that I, I see no evil and hear no evil, so I will do what? Speak no evil. And some of us need to hear that basic truth because we allow evil into our ears. I mean, some of you need to check your music list. Some of you go, what am I listening to? Well, Doug, it's just good old country. Come on, come on, come on. There's godly music, there's neutral music, and then there's music that's not of God. 
and you need to figure it out. I mean, there's some country music that's like, maybe it is neutral music, but there's some of it that's not. There's some of them talking about people that are sleeping around and all this stuff going on. We need to guard what comes into our ears. We need to protect what we see. Son used to have on our TV at home in Missouri, said, I shall set nothing vain before my eyes. Have we all seen things we shouldn't have seen? Can you unsee those things? No. But that's the way the enemy plants seeds to get all these worldly philosophies, all these ideas, all this wrong thinking into our heart is through what we hear and through what we see, whether it's something we watch or something we read. And we've got to realize our battlefield is here. And we have to take every thought captive and compare it to truth and replace it with truth if we're going to fight this battle. So this morning, here's my question for you. What is your stronghold? What is that worldly philosophy or that thought that you've allowed to creep into your mind that is in opposition to God's word? What is, what is a stronghold that you've allowed into your life? And here's a question I want to ask you. Do you really want those strongholds destroyed in your life? Now, you may say, oh, Pastor, I got, no, no, no. I mean, do you really want victory and do you really want to be spiritually healthy this morning? If you do, would you commit to picking up these spiritual weapons? Commit to start getting in this word? Commit to start getting on your knees and seeking the Lord? Would you commit to destroy those thoughts through prayer and through his word? Do you really want to destroy those things in your life? So maybe this morning, I'm going to encourage everyone. I'm a, I pray that everyone would just take a step of faith. That today, wherever you find yourself spiritually, would you just take a step of faith this morning? For some of you, maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. And you're just talking about Jesus all the time around here. And you need to take a step of faith and say, I want him. Or I want to know more about him. Or maybe this morning you are a follower of Christ, but you've never let the world know that through believer's baptism. Baptism happens after we come to faith in Christ. And you've never done that. And maybe you need to let us know and you need to do that. But for those of us that are believers in the room, everybody look at me. Here's what I want to ask you to do. My prayer is simple this morning. Would you and I commit to waging war on the strongholds that are in our lives. Am I talking about play around with them? Am I talking about, oh, that one's not that bad? Would you and I commit to waging war against the strongholds by picking up the weapons of prayer and God's word and let's do battle? That's my prayer for us. Let's all close our eyes and stand with me. Everybody bow your head. Close your eyes if you would and let's stand. And maybe this morning you've got a decision you need to make and and I'll Pat and Willie be over to the side on the right. They'll pull some curtains back. And, and Don will be over here to the left and pull some curtains back. And Jason, just if you need somebody to pray with you, they would love to. If you've got to make a decision, they would love to talk to you more about it. But wherever you find yourself this morning spiritually, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just take a step of faith this morning? Maybe you need to say yes to Jesus. You know that he's died for you, that he loves you, that he wants to forgive you, but you've never taken that step. Today, would you take it? Today, would you just surrender your life, say, Lord, here I am. Forgive me my sins and be the boss and master of my life. Or maybe you need to take that step going, you know what? I've accepted Christ, but I've not made that public to the world. And I need to follow in believer's baptism. I need to take a step of obedience this morning and be baptized. And so if you need to do that today, would you let us know? But for the rest of us that are believers in the room, can I just challenge you with this? I pray with everything in me that we would decide that we're not okay feeling like there's no joy in life. We're not okay 
feeling defeated all the time. We're not okay with feeling overwhelmed, anxious, depressed, and hurting. We're not okay struggling with identity and purpose and value. We're not okay with that. And today we know that our battle is spiritual. And today that we know that all these wrong ways of thinking have in our lives. And today we are going to be battle ready. Today we are going to wage war against the enemy. Today we are going to stand firm and say, devil, no more. We're going to take every thought that you've put into our minds, every thought that we've allowed in through what we hear and what we see, and we're going to take it captive. And we're going to compare it to truth, and we're going to replace it with truth, and the enemy is going to have no longer a stronghold in our lives. And so for believers, I'm begging you this morning, would you join me and let's just wage some war. Let's stand against the evil one. Let's protect what we see and what we hear. Let's guard ourselves and make sure that we are grabbing the two spiritual weapons of prayer and God's word as we engage in this battle. Would you make that commitment today? God, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for the word. And Lord, I I know as sure as I'm standing here, there are a lot of people that are struggling today. There are a lot of people that walk in the room and go, yes, I'm more than a conqueror. But God, they don't feel that way. And when they leave here, they're struggling. God, would you help us stay reminded of the truth of what Paul taught us today? That our mind is the battlefield. And for some of us, we are losing the battle. But if we grab the right weapons, and we get on our knees, and seek you, and get in our word, and hear what you have to say, and if we take every thought that's captive and replace it and compare it to truth, God, that we are, then we are equipped to fight this battle, not in our own strength, but in the strength that you've given us. God, I know there's some people in this room today that need to commit to start waging war on the mind, waging war against the enemy and all these seeds that he's planted. God, would you just give us the courage to do it, the courage to step out on faith and go, no more, I'm going to fight. And the way I'm going to fight is not with my fist. The way I'm going to fight is getting on my knees and getting in my word. So God, would you be with us today? Would you touch the hearts that are hurting? Would you touch the hearts that feel like they are disenfranchised? Would you touch the hearts that are struggling this morning? And would you give us the courage to stand up today and wage war on the strongholds that we've allowed into our life? God, just be with us. Bless us today. For it's in your precious and your holy son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need to talk to someone, you just need prayer. We got people on both sides. If you want to come and just get alone and get on your knees before a holy God and say, God, I need you. I want to wage war on this stronghold that's in my life. Would you just cry out to him this morning? However you need to respond, would you just be faithful to follow the Lord's leadership as we continue to worship?